Entertainment's podcast from Bottomline Technologies. Greetings and welcome to our latest Payments podcast. My name is Jacqueline Powell, Head of Corporate Marketing at Bottomline. The topic for today's episode centers uh, around the key trends and takeaways from this year's Cybos that was held in Amsterdam recently. My guest, Jenya, spent four intense days listening to the most influential people in payments advise on how banks and FIs can help juggle busy roadmaps and overcome hurdles in adopting new payments innovation, which is causing the most pain, I think. Before we start, though, I just want to put the timing of Cybos into context. We've just started to recover from the COVID-19 pandemic and manage the extra traffic resulting from all consumers and businesses going digital. Let's add in the drama around hitting the SWIFT CBPR Plus and ISO 2022 deadlines, as well as challenges in cross-border payments uh, and disruptions to the correspondent banking model because of Russian sanctions from the Ukrainian conflict. Add in the latest fraud prevention practices being mandated, such as uh, confirmation of payee, And it's clear we have a true melting pot for lots of discussions and agreements and planning uh, ahead of 2023. In this respect, uh, I really believe that the show did not disappoint. Now, let me introduce uh, my guest, Genia Winter, Global Head of Marketing uh, for Financial Messaging at Bottomline. Genia has more than 23 years of experience in the financial services sector, specializing in payments over the last 10 years. Her key areas of specialization in connectivity and messaging include real-time domestic and cross-border payments and ISO 20022. Welcome, Genia. Thanks very much, Jackie. I'm delighted to be here. Genia, as I mentioned in my intro, a great deal of sessions and conversations revolved around ISO 20022. Was it just focused on the benefits of ISO 20022 across the whole ecosystem Or was there also a certain amount of anxiety expressed around uh, the deadlines for having to receive ISO 20022 messaging? Yeah, Jackie, well, it was a bit of both. Now SWIFT has announced an extension of the CBPR Plus deadline to March 2023. The European Central Bank has pushed the date for Target 2 to April 2023. And it looks like the Bank of England will follow suit for the UK. This is happening due to pressure from the banks who are worried about juggling this deadline within an already busy roadmap and also concerns about how this extra data could lead to truncation. The beauty of ISO 20022 lies in the global standard providing interoperability. And and clearly this doesn't work if some banks have it and some don't. It doesn't make sense for banks to all move at different speeds. I want to express that, you know, these deadlines I've mentioned, they only represent the start of the journey for ISO 2002, which is which is basic connectivity. So to be able to receive the messages for SWIFT in, in the ISO format, that's the connectivity. And as far as I'm aware, there's no suggestion that this will impact the deadline for the end of the coexistence period of 2025. However, the view of Cybos and and also held by bottom line is that the sooner you can fully leverage the advantages of ISO, the better. That that means essentially looking to be ISO native as soon as possible and not waiting until 2025. 
this is there is a compromise of market ready where banks can send and receive, but they will need translation. Whereas ISO native is when ISO 2022 is integrated across the whole payments ecosystem with no need for translation. We aren't fully aware of all the use cases for ISO. And we won't find out until we've integrated ISO fully and started brainstorming and and having a play around. The sooner you start exploring these new use cases, the sooner you can gain that competitive advantage over other banks, which which is really driving conversations, not just at Cyboss, but across the industry. However, the wider benefits that we do know for ISO include higher levels of transparency, better customer service, and of course, improved operational efficiency. After all, ISO 2022 provides the standardization needed for interoperability between traditional and new cross-border channels, and the abundant availability of rich data and related or, or artificial intelligence allows us to route payments intelligently and to choose the right channel for each transaction which means it's it's, it's to drive new coverage in markets or currencies or to optimise the execution in existing markets. In my opinion, the impact that the richer data will have on fraud monitoring and compliance, cash flow management, and of course, data and analytics provides justification enough for the immediate transition to being ISO native and and having ISO front and centre of any bank's roadmap. I was also surprised and impressed by SWIFT's clear positioning at Cybos as a more cooperative rather than dominant entity for cross-border payments. Now, do you think this new positioning was as a result of competitive pressure or does it play more into the strong drive across the industry towards coexistence, collaboration and interoperability of schemes? Well, there's certainly a lot of competition uh, in the payment space, and that's a good thing. Um, You know, we need to be able to provide choice um, for banks and FIs and ultimately their their end customers, which is the corporates and the consumers. But yeah, you know, agreed. It it was made clear by SWIFT and the whole community that the best recipe for cross-border payment success is that cooperation, collaboration, you know, and coexistence. You know, and oh, what an opportunity it is. (laughs) As global businesses continue to expand, so does the volume of cross-border payments. The value of worldwide cross-border payments is estimated to increase from almost $150 trillion in 2017 to over $250 trillion by 2027. So that's equating to a rise of over $100 trillion in just 10 years. And and that's according to the Bank of England, those stats. Also, we've got the combined research of IT and Averica Group and McKinsey and Company, who predict that revenue for cross-border payments based on transaction and FX fees will rise to an estimated $261 billion uh, by 2025. And then finally, another report from McKinsey um, has said that Asia's cross-border revenues have been a key contributor to the region's ongoing payments growth, increasing by an average of 6% annually from 2011 to 2019, and are predicted to make a steady recovery after the initial COVID-19 decline. So 
those are some pretty telling stats, um, Jackie. The main banking channels used to make international payments, you know, they used to leverage legacy methods that can be both clunky and expensive. For instance, the latest banking circle and um, FX and cross-border report says that 25% of companies surveyed reported experiencing poor value in the FX rates offered by their banking partner, while 42% said their bank fees for cross-border transactions were too expensive, with more than one in three complaining that sending money between countries also took too long. In the worst cases, the Nordic markets and the Netherlands, this complaint about slow transaction times rose to almost two in five of those surveyed. This in turn led to 49 or or actually closer to 50% of those surveyed beginning to use fintechs and other non-banking financial institutions to fulfill their international currency and payment needs, rising to almost three in five in the Nordic markets. So, yes, that that, that clearly shows that there is competition out there. Uh, But it is of paramount importance that innovative banking players start exploring new strategies to improve efficiency and maximise on that revenue potential that McKinsey talked about. The potential new revenue streams by developing a a new and growing fee-based pricing structure cross-selling other products in your armory and also access to coveted uh, deposits can't be ignored. It's a very brave bank decision maker that says to its board of directors and shareholders that they don't want to take advantage of this. Uh, Now we, we come back to your original question about Swiss positioning as a cooperator and not a, a dominant dictator. The, the, the key solution comes in the form of being able to la- leverage multilateral platforms that enable global payments through a single connection. For transactions between participating banks, it offers an enhanced customer experience at a reduced cost and with security and efficiency through tokenization, governance and rich data. Optional foreign exchange and same or or next day settlement in multiple currencies allows for true innovation and more choice. So an example of this would be intelligent routing, where a rail can be chosen based off key requirements, speed, cost, FX rates, transparency, whether it's an exotic currency or not. Either way, the business case for updating your cross-border strategy is clear and comes highly recommended by the Bank of International Settlement and other key players such as SWIFT, Visa, market infrastructures and central banks. After all, no bank is so busy or indeed asset rich that they don't need to be more cost effective and turn the opportunity to create new revenue streams via transaction fees, FX rates and cross-sell. As for the wider payments modernization piece, 86% of financial institutions agree that it's a very strong or extremely strong priority. Okay, let's move over to instant payments, another big issue at Cybos. The general consensus was that it is table stakes and a clear deal breaker for corporates when deciding to remain or switch banks. However, as we discussed in the bottom line lunch and learn session at Cybos, 
which was based on our latest benchmarking survey of over 300 banks and financial institutions, 34% have only just started planning their instant payment strategy and 15% haven't even started. In the survey, which is titled Digital Payments Transformation, the Future of Competitive Advantage in Banking and Payments, we asked respondents, what is your company's greatest barriers to adoption of instant payments? So we saw 33.5% top the list with legacy infrastructure. Another 33.5% said the lack of IT resource and prioritization with an already busy roadmap. We then had the cost and hassle of implementing a new payment rail at 17% and the lack of business case for internal buy-in at 16%. So based on these results, how can banks and financial institutions overcome these barriers according to the feedback at Cybos? And what would be your recommendation on the best approach? Yeah, thanks, Jackie. I mean, to be honest, I think we would have been surprised if legacy and lack of IT resource and busy roadmaps weren't listed as key issues. However, the, the catch-all is, is operational efficiency and, and scalability. So in, in order to address the, the issue of lack of business case for internal buy-in, the need for top-down support essentially has meant that many banks and FIs have, have chosen the route of uh, a minimal viable proposition or MVP, which, which is all about scaling at pace with budgets time resources and business case. Also with increasing numbers of industry mandates and regulations, which I'm gonna talk to you about in a minute, it's a mistake not to have scalability to meet these tight deadlines. I also think that in a competitive world, there is a danger that not being able to scale to meet customer demands and achieve best practice will cause issues. And it's hardly likely to result in customers switching and also having an impact on overall customer retention. You know, finally, we all saw the huge acceleration of adoption of digital payments that resulting off the back of the COVID pandemic, as well as the situation which you mentioned in Ukraine, meaning that in a, in a, in a changing world, it's vital to respond quickly to any crisis. You know, and real time is, is a key and necessary tool for this. The key point to make is that instant, real-time, faster payments, you know, it's, it's table stakes. The pace of change in payments globally has never been so dramatic and exciting. You know, take Europe, Switzerland and the UK, you know, they're no exceptions, especially when it comes to instant payments. So, for instance, the new EU legislation that's come out, you know, a couple of days ago, makes it clear that instant payments needs to be available in euros to all citizens and businesses holding a bank account in the EU and in the EEA countries. And the ability, they need to have the ability to receive within six months and send within 12 months. Additionally, the UK market is transforming with the new payments architecture or MPA deadlines for changing CHAPS formats, the fact they increase faster payment limits, it used to be 250,000 Great British pounds, it's now risen to a million, and that happened in early 2022. And there's also regulated tools for fighting fraud, such as confirmation of payee or, or COP, and the introduction of digital payment overlays like request to pay. So it is all about that competitive advantage. Firstly, now the EU Commission has issued 
their mandatory uh, regulation for instant payments in euros this week. You don't want to be in a situation in the rest of the world where you're where you're playing catch up. That alone should have should move instant payments up the priority ladder. Secondly, instant payments represents a revenue opportunity that will only grow as banks find new ways to leverage it. Instant payments are a springboard for what we call digital payments transformation. And it is quite simply table stakes. So if you don't offer it to your end customers and corporates, then they are more likely to to rethink their relationship with you and potentially switch to a competitor. Yes, that's understandable. How much do you agree that it isn't only about the high-speed rails that will carry instant payments, but the services built on top of it? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, real time, it's all about, and speed, it's all about liquidity. Um, however, not all transactions need to arrive between zero to five seconds or, or 10 seconds. You know, the fact is, do I care that I get paid my salary by instant payments? Or is it better that I know with certainty that it arrives on the last Monday of every month. So there is, you're right, there's more to real time than just this speed. Um, it is important, don't get me wrong, particularly if you want to use real time and that that liquidity and that access to money faster. So you can use it as a bargaining tool. I'll give you an example. So you could pay a reduced price for goods if you pay now rather than in 30 days. So £100 rather than 150 for instance. And that's a use case for request to pay in particular. But rather, I would say real-time payments is really about innovation, you know, creating new revenue streams via digital overlays, such as request to pay, as well as reducing the costs of payment processing and speeding up liquidity. Those are the services that will actually make a difference to our bottom line customers and their end customers, which in this case is, is corporates. And Forgive me, but I'm going to talk about ISO again. I can't help myself. It's relevant, though, I promise. And it relates to data. So all real-time, instant, faster payment rails use the new ISO 20022 standardized format. Yes, this means richer data, as we've already explained, which helps with transparency um, in reducing false positives for fraud and encourages more automated straight-through processing. But it also leverages structured data, which helps corporates have an end-to-end view of all their transactions. That structured data is is equally important, is is what I'm trying to communicate. Okay, now, now let's go to Switzerland. Here's a country that still loves cash, but is starting to embrace instant payments. Switzerland is part of SEPA, but not part of the EU. It seems on the surface to carry a lot of contradictions. What were your discussions like with your Swiss customers and how would you characterize the state of play in the country right now regarding payments modernization? Yeah, thanks, Jackie. And and you're right. You know, we we have a lot of customers. We've got a big presence in Switzerland um, and it's a key market for us. So we did have a lot of discussions with our customers at, at Cyboss. But you know, and most of those really centered around sick instant payments. So Switzerland, as you've said, is a diverse financial ecosystem and it's open to and ready for changes in, in, in global payments. So the Swiss banks and, and other financial institutions have been changing and they will continue to do so as payment methods, 
messaging and regulations evolve. This, this is, is, is really basically necessary in order to keep an efficient marketplace for any investment. All of the major global payment changes currently in motion, so instant payments, clearing systems renewal, uh, new cross-border rails, are being fully embraced by the Swiss financial institutions. And that was really clear from everything that they said. Examples of this change that I suppose stands out as the most impactful range from quite technical changes uh, to reduce cost and improve efficiency. So an example of that would be the new SSFN protocol and also RTGS version 5, sort of upgrades, to more user-driven changes like instant payments. Amongst the technical evolution that is aimed at improving efficiency, security and reduction of cost, the Swiss marketplace will also make evolving the connectivity to its real-time gross settlement system throughout its six five version as a priority. Amongst the technical evolution that's aimed at improving efficiency, security and reduction of cost, the Swiss marketplace will also make evolving the connectivity to its real-time gross settlement system throughout its SICK version a priority. So as a reminder, um, some major changes occurring globally, such as the usage of the rich ISO 2022 format, don't have the same impact in Switzerland. Uh, they've already had this in place for several years. I think uh, 2020, 2015, actually. Um, but throughout the course of the journey for the SICK 5 upgrade, the Swiss National Bank and SICK have teamed up to create a completely different payment rail that will enable the marketplace to process instant payments. So RTGS will be operational in 2022 and instant payments in August 2024. And that, that, that will continue until uh, 2026. But SICK 5 represents a transition from the existing SICK network and will accommodate more demanding environments such as um, business to business payments. In the context of instant payments, it's been described by SIX you know, in the following way, and I'm, I'm going to quote them here. So SIX 5 is to payments transactions in Switzerland what 5G is to mobile communications, speed. The new SIX payment rail will allow more banks to extend instant payment use cases beyond today's very low thresholds. So that's, that's in their words, um, they're describing what they think the potential is there, Jackie. Genia, before we close out, what are the three snippy takeaways from the event or is there anything additional you'd like to cover? Yeah, no, thanks, Jackie. I, I'm going to be cheeky and do five, but I'll make them brief. Um, so I think the key takeaways or the pearls of wisdom would be, yes, there have been delays to the ISO deadlines, um, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't get cracking on implementing ISO as soon as possible. And connectivity only isn't going to do it. You know, it's the start of the journey, but you really want to transition as quickly as possible to ISO native so you can take the full advantages of it. Don't wait until... Um, the coexistence period ends in 2025. Then I want to talk about the importance of multilateral platforms for cross-border payments. That is the way forward. You've got to be able to offer your customers as much choice as possible in terms of how they want to send their payment and leveraging um, intelligent routing. 
instant payments is table stakes. The European Union, or sorry, the European Commission, have really made that clear in the fact that they are saying that all EU residents are entitled to it and should receive it. And I suspect that there will be similar things that happen across the globe. So get in front of that and start your real-time planning now. Um, I also think that we should view regulation as a friend and not as a foe. It is there to help us. It's there to make sure that the payments, uh, the payments industry is very innovative, um, it is competitive, and that we follow best practice. That's what the regulation is there for. And finally, I want to say, yes, there's a busy roadmap. There's lots of things for banks and financial institutions to do themselves. But you don't need to do it all at once. Look at scaling um, your integration of various different um, new solutions and schemes. And also, you don't need to do it yourself. Concentrate on what you're good at and then leverage the education and the expertise from um, from people like SWIFT, from market infrastructures like um, EBA Clearing, and also vendors and service providers like Bottom Line. We're there to help and we will make things easier for you in the long run. So please don't be intimidated. It's exciting. And I hope you agree. Thank you, Genia. Your insights and uh, this update will be hugely valuable to our podcast followers. But unfortunately, that's all we have time for right now. No problem. I've really enjoyed myself, Jackie. And please invite me back again. <laughs> right. That's a wrap on our latest payments podcast episode, Cybos 22 facing a brave new world of payments. Please remember to subscribe to the Payments Podcast on SoundCloud, Apple, or Spotify for future topical episodes. Thank you for joining us, and we'll catch you next time. The Payments Podcast from Bottom Line Technologies.